Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you wherever you're listening. Uh, Ian Smith with you from 9 to 12 here. And uh, we've got a, a busy show featuring uh, cricket, of course. We're going to go inside the South African camp very shortly and speak to Rassi van der Dusen, who is uh, batting at three for them, or certainly in the top order. Um, and, uh, of course, he's a very accomplished player. And South Africa have never, ever lost a series to New Zealand. Incredible, the record. Uh, just how dominant they've been since uh, the inception of playing against them back in around 1932. Uh, Luke Hetzel uh, will be on the show. Uh, Luke has an amazing title. He's a Snow Sports New Zealand Park and Pipe Performance Athlete Development Manager. Uh, that's probably the only time I'll say that properly, but that's Luke. And uh, we're going to be talking snowboarding, etc. Uh, just after 9.30. Really looking forward to talking to Mealy Kerr. Uh, Mealy was fantastic yesterday for uh, the White Burns, uh, she scored uh, an unbeaten 119, chasing down a really good total, and the confidence must be growing within the camp, so we'll speak to Mealy about that. Gord saw him on the news last night, Andrew Gordy and uh, Guy Havelt, uh, they'll be the panel, that's always combative, that combination. And Buff, Buff's going to be with us just after 11 o'clock, Brendan Laney, one of the most popular men in New Zealand rugby of all time, I reckon, former Highlanders and Scotland fullback, uh, with his take on uh, super rugby, etc., Scottish rugby. Uh, rugby in general, so uh, that uh, we're also giving away 150 bucks with the TAB vouchers, 150 bucks at 11.30, so uh, we've got plenty before we chat to Staffy just before midday. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. So just how clean is Ian Foster's piece of paper? Less than two years, 19 months actually, out from the Rugby World Cup in France, how clean can it be? How clean and fresh is the thinking in the group? Joe Smith is in, that's fresh. But not until Ireland have been and gone, so around August, officially anyway. And that doesn't give a lot of time if Joe's thoughts are different to Fozzie's. And how many names are now already inked onto that piece of paper? A lot less, you would imagine, than possibly around September last year. But really, is that the case? Pretty much a given that the All Black selectors in the past have concentrated on late Super Rugby form as opposed to these early rounds, in essence. Uh, they had few questions to answer and were more concerned about the injury attrition rate and their big stars not being available to them. Uh, Richie Mwonga aside, it's great to see the bulk of the incumbents are back nice and early and that's a good sign. One, 
for the comp itself. More stars, more quality. But two, maybe there's some nervous uncertainty about normally guaranteed spots in the All Blacks. We're hearing rumours of limited playing minutes for some. Surely that's got to be governed by match injuries and bench availability. And what about the match situation? In years gone by as a super coach, if you haven't fallen into line with that policy, you've pretty much been sent to Coventry. And on Fozzie's piece of paper, what's written alongside number seven? For me, that's the jersey in question the most. When we've been world champions, our number seven has been the best player on the planet. Sir Michael Jones and Sir, I don't want to be, Richie McCaw, they have been the two outstanding players in world rugby when we've been on top of the podium. So ink that one and that's priority number one. Just so how clean is that sheet and will Fozzie even have the pencil sharpener and the rubber out yet? Tomorrow morning, the first uh, cricket test between South Africa and New Zealand gets underway at uh, Hagley Oval in Christchurch. The Proteas have never, I mean never, lost a test series to New Zealand before. And coming to this two-match series off the back end of a really impressive series win over a powerful Indian team. Uh, and joining us now from the South African team, we're very pleased to welcome onto the show Rassi Fandadusen. Uh, Rassi, good morning to you. Hopefully Hello? we've got Russie. Uh, yeah, there, I think I'm, yeah. Yeah, good on you. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, mate. How's the build-up been uh, to uh, this two-test series, bearing in mind you've had a little bit of quarantine, et cetera, to go through? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's been uh, quite tough. The 10 days in quarantine, um, you know, something that's, that we don't really uh, see anymore uh, back home, and we've sort of moved on from that. So it was quite frustrating um, to come and do that, but uh, in saying that, we we had a few practice sessions that that they allowed us, and um, we could get out in some fresh air. Um, and and the last few training sessions at Agley Oval has been really good. So um, yeah, the, the guys are looking good. We we sort of getting used to the conditions, and I think that's going to be the key um, going into a, a short test series. Um, there's no time to catch up, so you you got to eat the ground running. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say that's the downside of uh, modern day cricket tours, isn't it? There's very little. Uh, you know, in the old days, you'd play county games or state games or whatever, and you'd get a chance to at least breathe some air and and ha- have a look at the conditions. But not now. I mean, it's just raw. Yeah, yeah, it's you rightly say so. It is a challenge. Um, you you sort of um, try and mimic match situations in tra- training sessions and and try and get up in the middle, uh, spend some time on the feet. But yeah, we don't have that luxury these days anymore um, with, with the way the schedule's packed and and throwing in stuff like quarantine and. Um, but you know that's not an excuse for us. Uh, it's not an excuse for anyone, really. But uh, we got to hit the ground running. We we know in the previous test series against India, we we lost the first test and we had to play catch up from there. And we put ourselves under pressure, so it's a it's a big challenge for us to start well. Um, and and hopefully, if we can start well, we can carry that momentum into the next into the second test as well. Well, you celebrated your 33rd uh, birthday just uh, over a week ago, and uh, it's been a relatively good week for you. You've picked up uh, an IPL contract with uh, the Rajasthan Royals, so uh, you'll have a few Kiwi teammates in there as well, Trent Bolt, Daryl Mitchell, and Jimmy Neesham. Yeah, I've, um, yeah, obviously, 
uh, that the, the IPL auction was a thing that was on the back of everyone's minds, and um, to to a large extent, I think everyone's just glad that it's passed now. Now we can move move on from that. Um, worked out well for some guys, not too well for others. So yeah, I'm really pleased to have been been picked up, and um, I've 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 met Trent and 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 Jimmy once or twice. Uh, I don't think I've I've spoken to Daryl uh, really in my in my lifetime. So. Yeah, but I'm sure from from all accounts, what I hear, it's um, uh, they're pretty good guys, and and I think we'll get along very nicely. Uh, Rusty, you've uh, made uh, your Test debut at the age of 29. Some would say that's late. I, I'm not quite sure actually in the nature of Test cricket. I think it doesn't pay to uh, to have a bit of experience under your belt. I mean, you've had a phenomenally good white ball career. Um, how about the the Test career on a personal note to uh, to this point? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I, I I probably haven't performed the, the way I want wanted to perform. Um, the obvious thing thing is that I think it's my fourteenth test and I haven't scored a test hundred. So that's that's the thing that I'm really focusing on. And you know, as a batsman, your currency is is runs and and milestones and making hundreds and putting your team in either winning positions or winning matches for your team. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge for me. You know, I, I pride myself in, in contributing to the team, and, and to an extent, I've done that um, in the Test arena. I've played some important innings and and got the the, the team across the line. But you know, you want to you want to be one of those guys who are consistent and um, and sort of considered one one of the best in the world. And, and batting at number four in in, a, in any Test team um, comes with with that responsibility of making big scores. So, yeah, definitely going into this series, that's what I'll be looking to do. Unusual series this, uh, Rusty, because uh, both test matches are going to be played on the same block as such. Have you had a chance to have a look uh, at the Hagley uh, Oval in terms of uh, pre-test match conditions? Yeah, we've had two training sessions there. We, we're going out there later today again, so then we'll get a bit of a better feel of, of how the wicket will look tomorrow. Um, in general, uh, there's quite a, quite a bit of bounce and quite a bit of pace in the wickets. Um, the grass is quite green, but, but the surface underneath is is quite solid which which gives it that pace and bounce so um i, I doubt that spin will play too much of an a role in, in the test uh, i'm not sure about the second test but um in, in this one going I, I think it will be a battle of the seamers and, and i think that's a mouth-watering prospect both both teams have quality seam attacks um so it's going to be about the, the batters applying themselves and, and sort of absorbing that pressure um because i think that the seam attacks are pretty evenly matched Okay, you've just come off this uh, series where you've beaten India 2-1. Uh, pretty largely a, a low-scoring series where, where bat, batting Rusty wasn't uh, all that easy, to be fair. And you know that is pretty much the nature of uh, the Hagley Oval. It, it, it can be pretty tough for batsmen with a grassy surface. So, if anything, uh, it might not be hugely different to what you've been uh, used to at home. Yeah, definitely. I think um, that, that last series was, was probably... Uh, by by some accounts of all the batters, the, the most difficult conditions um, we've faced in our careers is certainly in a long time. Um, but in, in a sense, I, I think that set us up well for, for over here. Um, you know, back back home, we we're dealing with a ball that's moving sideways and up and down. Um, whereas I think by looking at the conditions and the way it's been playing here, you can trust the bounce. The bounce is pretty consistent. So obviously, yes, you've got to deal with the sideways movement, which comes with its own challenges. But um, on on a pitch that you can 
trust uh, the pace and bounce, it does make it a touch easier. So I think it's put us, put us in good stead. Um, the battles are, are solid in their game plans, um, having had to be with, with the last series against India where it was so tough to bat. Um, so hopefully if we can get through those tricky periods in this test, um, the guys can really, really cash in with some big scores. So no Trent Bolt in the first test, but uh, you will be facing uh, Saudi Jamison Wagner and likely uh, Matt Henry. Um, experience against those guys or, or homework you've done on them? Yeah, they're obviously all world-class bowlers. Uh, Wagner I played with back home um, when he was still there. So I know him uh, a few years back. Uh, we played for the same provincial team, um, but he's come on obviously leaps and bounds in the last few years uh, in the top 10 of the test bowlers, and rightly so. He's very skilled with especially his short balls. Um, Savvy, obviously a world-class performer. The way he, he works the crease and, and swings the ball late is, is always a challenge in any conditions. Um, I've faced Jameson before, but from what I hear, he's, he's very tall, it's the bat quite hard, it's the deck hard. Um, can deliver it at good pace, so, so he's definitely going to be a challenge with the bounce around. And, and Matt Henry is yeah, just a very skillful guy in terms of uh, discipline, holding his areas. Um, so, yeah, look, we've, we've done our homework. We, we sort of know what to expect. Um, it's for, for us as a batting unit, it's about uh, staying within our strengths and, and our game plans and um, you know making sure that whatever they throw at us, we've got an answer for it. Well, you're without uh, Keegan Peterson, unfortunately. He's a, a bit of a victim of life these days. COVID, of course, though, is ICC Player of the Month for his performance against uh, uh, India. Who's going to fill that role? Uh, I think it will probably be uh, SJ Advia, um, a debutant. I'm not sure exactly what the balance of the team that they'll go for. I suppose we'll hear later today. Uh, um but um, yeah, we've we've got between him and Zubair Hamza, who you would have seen on the test scene before, um, guys who's vastly experienced uh, in first-class cricket, who scored a lot of runs, who know how to score big runs, um, and and yeah, they've they've certainly worked very hard, uh, been touring with the with the team for about for about a year. So um, whoever gets that chance, you know, they'll, they'll thoroughly deserve it, and I'm sure they'll they'll grab it with both hands. And um, yeah, the the team. I mean, there's, from us as a team, there's nothing to prove. We know what those guys can do. Um, and, and hopefully, whoever gets a chance, they can do it out here. Russ, you mentioned before, you think uh, the battle between the two pace attacks will be one of the big keys to this series. Uh, normally, uh, quick bowlers get off uh, the bus uh, in New Zealand pretty quickly before the batsmen, actually, on some of our pitches. And uh, I just wonder, amongst your unit, uh, who you are relying on or who you think are the key um, uh, key key components uh, matching up against our batsmen. I think obviously KG Rabada, um, world class performer, he has been for the last few years, um, and he sort of carries that responsibility well. He knows he leads the attack, and um, you know in tough times in, in the past we've looked at him and he's he's produced a good for us. So so he's going to be a, a massive challenge for them. Lungin Giri in um, uh, tall. Tall guy um, in, in conditions that, that do favour seam bowling. He's, he's absolutely lethal. Um, he's very skilled in terms of his discipline and, and hitting the same area and, and he's, you know, taking the ball both ways off the seam. Um, Marco Janssen, who, who made his debut in the, in the previous uh, series against India, um, hit the ground running. Tall, uh, fast, left arm, swings it, 
Paul's a nasty bouncer. Um, so, um, and then, and then, yeah, whoever the fourth team is, whether it's Duan Ulifir, um, he's obviously played in England the last few years, a genuine swing bowler, knows how to control his swing very well, um, swings it late, uh, a bit like Savvy, um, but also has a very good, very good short ball. So, um, you know, I'm facing these guys in the nets every day. It's not fun, um, and I, I don't think it's going to be fun for the New Zealand batters. Oh, that's cool. Okay, well, one of those New Zealand batters is, of course, uh, Devin Conway, who's made a real hit here since he decided to play uh, his cricket for New Zealand uh, and leave South Africa. So uh, the Wagner-Conway combination, there'll be, uh, I guess, a little bit of feeling out there and uh, a little bit of banter. Yeah, I suppose they will. Um, I think Wagner has played against South Africa before, so it's, that's nothing new um, for him. Uh, I think it's a big series for Devin. He obviously left South Africa and, you know, there's, there's no judgment. Um, you know, it's the professional era and uh, cricket is a sport of opportunity and you need to, you need to go where the opportunity is. Um, you can't do much without getting any opportunities in cricket. So, um, yeah, I mean... Dev, Dev was a teammate of mine as well at the Lions in Joburg before he left. I know him very well. I know his game very well, and so do the other guys. Um, but um, yeah, when when he's on the field, we we definitely won't see him as South African. Um, and uh, yeah, the battle will definitely be on. Dean Elgar's uh, had a terrific career. I just just looking at his Test career and his first class record. It's it's absolutely uh, amazing, and and he seems to have uh, uh, taken on this role as te- Test captain uh, really well. Yeah, Dean is one of those guys who, who leads from the front. Um, he's not shy to to say things straight and tell you how it is. Um, he's sort of that hard type of old school character, um, but in that he's a very good leader and a very good captain as well. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean he's he's been very big for us uh, ever since he became a captain uh, in the West Indies last year. Um, he's been instrumental in our victories, uh, a type of guy who, who performs under pressure and prides himself to perform when, when the chips are really down. Um, that 97 he made not out uh, against India on a, on a fifth day Wanderers uh, pitch uh, to win the game was, was one of the best innings as I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. His record speaks for himself. He's a great leader. Um, and, uh, yes, someone we, we genuinely look to um, in terms of test cricket for his experience as well. Rusty, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, we wish you uh, uh, all the best in the, the two test matches. Unusual series, as, uh, as we say. Uh, two tests uh, played on pitches side by side and probably with slightly different characters. But I imagine the first one might be a test uh, for you top order players. So uh, good luck with that. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing how you go and uh, enjoy your time here in New Zealand. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you. Uh, Russi Fundadursen there, of course, a very accomplished South African batsman. He has a phenomenal white ball record, folks. Uh, he can play. Uh, this guy, very tall uh, and uh, very accomplished, and uh, i got a feeling that uh, we might see one, at least one very beginnings out of uh, Russi Fundadursen in our conditions. If he can get in and get used to um, at uh, Hagley Park surface, Hagley Oval surface, I, I think that uh, he will... Uh, do very well but it's going to be tough because I think uh, you can write off uh, the Bangladesh series in terms of uh, opposition pace bowlers uh, because uh, even though we lost the test at Bay Oval, the South African bowling lineup is a serious notch above 
uh, the Bangladesh side. I can promise you that for nothing. Okay, topics for today. Uh, if you've seen Baz, you could text us, double eight double three. Where's Baz? Um, you know, that would be nice if you've seen him anywhere around the country. Double eight double three, little guy, um, bit of a close-cut beard. Um, probably got his cap, a baseball cap on, forward or backwards. Might even have a golf glove on. I don't know. But uh, text us if you've seen uh, Brennan McCullum, uh, double eight double three. Anywhere in New Zealand would be nice. We're missing him. Uh, the other thing is just how clean do you think Ian Foster's piece of paper should be as our rugby season starts? Should he have a really open mind? Do you think he's got an open mind after their review, which we've heard nothing about? But uh, do, you, do you think that uh, the page is clean and the fact that uh, some of our uh, really highly accomplished players are getting into the Super Rugby very quickly means they're trying to pay, uh, point out that they're very keen? Uh, and, and is there any given? How many givens are there on that piece of paper? How many givens should there be on that piece of paper as Super Rugby kicks off? Uh, that's 8833 is our text number, 0800-150-811, the phone number. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. 9.27 and uh, a couple of texts come in. Actually, one from yesterday, but it's quite pertinent to uh, what our subject is today. It's from Dean uh, Smithy. For me, what I'd love to see regarding Super Rugby is if we actually get to, w- if we actually get to watch uh, Will Jordan at 15 for the Crusaders, Rico at 11, and the biggie, Geordie Barrett at 13. Yeah, okay. Uh, what I'm trying to say is please play All Blacks in the same position for their franchises. Roger and uh, Geordie give me goosebumps, as does uh, uh, Quinta Pyre and uh, Geordie as well, uh, as that combination. Will could be, and Will, we're talking Will Jordan here, Will could be, and this is a huge call, better than the, the god of All Blacks, Christian Cullen. Uh, why give the best attacking force in the game the third of the pitch. Only my opinion, but let's please see sense. So that was Dean yesterday. Uh, Mike's come in this morning and said, uh, regarding Fozzie's team sheet, was there ever any inquest into the All Blacks 2021 year? Did I miss it, or was it swept under the carpet? Didn't miss it. Um, it was, there was supposedly one, but we haven't heard that. Maybe they'll just keep that in-house. Uh, I don't think anyone is safe. Performance paramount, performance paramount this year, and that should include the coaches. Well, I think uh, Mike, uh, good points there. I, I, I just think that perhaps changing the coaches is getting a, a wee bit too late. But um, my point about uh, Joe Smith is he, uh, he's coming in as a selector, uh, but unofficially, uh, uh, he won't officially be part of the, the unit until Ireland have gone. And that's out of respect to Ireland and what he was able to do and coach with, with Ireland. So uh, he has decided that officially he won't be part of that all-black uh, selection unit as such, um, hands-on from the outside until August. And John, that doesn't leave long. Uh, that leaves, uh, by my reckoning, about uh, 11 and a half, 12 and a half months. Yeah, we don't have long at all. So I, I do think they need fresh ideas in the coaching um, with the attack and the defence. Uh, I, I, I didn't think it was great last year. Uh, I know Brad Moore's pretty fresh to the setup, um, but yeah, from what I saw, the attack wasn't sensational last year. So I... I just think you need someone of the mind of a Tony Brown, a Wayne Smith, someone who's just got that X factor when it comes to attack in your rugby, and maybe Joe Schmidt is that guy with his fresh ideas coming into the squad. Maybe he is. Uh, I don't know uh, whether it was my earphones or your microphone sounded a little bit raspy and a little bit steady there, so maybe uh, we can have a look at that during the break. It's news time. Uh, here's Emma, at it's 9.30. Yeah, 
Um, it was actually crazy. I was not expecting to stand in first place after the first two runs and then pretty crazy moment for Anna to knock me down right before taking my last lap and then yeah I gave it everything I had on the last one but a bit too much juice so couldn't stick it but stoked nonetheless. You ain't going rough enough. It's just the age of 20. Zoe sadowski Senate has complete collection, the complete collection, the trifecta of Winter Olympic medals after claiming gold in the slope style last week. Uh, the Wanaka snowboarder took home silver in the big air competition yesterday in Beijing, adding that to the bronze she won back in the big air in 2018. Now, a man who's been on that journey with Zoe throughout the Snow Sports New Zealand Park and Pipe Athlete Development Manager, Luke Hetzel, Luke, congratulations on the on the performance and the team so far. First of all, though, mate, that's one heck of a title. What exactly is your role role with Snow Sports New Zealand? Yeah, it's something I probably need to work on. It, it fits on two lines in my email signature. Um, <laughs> the, my my role is working with the sort of next generation athletes. So. Uh, I work closely with the regional program to, to select athletes into the, into the national team and um, working with the athletes who aren't at the Olympics who are um, targeting 2026. Before we get on to uh, Zoe's amazing performance, I mean, this must be such a rewarding time for you, uh, you know, the Winter Olympics, and, and just see the development, the competitive nature, and the number of athletes we have over there. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, watching... Zoe, you know, Zoe and Nika getting their bronze medal and, and kind of thinking, oh, all right, they, they, they got one. They, uh, you know, they weren't shoe-ins, but, but they've done it. And then seeing them just progress to the absolute top of their sport, it, you know, it feels, it feels great for New Zealand snow sport to, for us to know that, you know, we can do this. You know, the, the, kids, the kids here are talented and, and the, the attitude's right and the facilities are right and, and we, can, we can do this. Must be hugely uh, and encouraging from your point of view. Now, first of all, you're going to get spin off from this because young kids are going to want to be Zoe's. Uh, they want to get going to be Nico's, etc. Uh, the other thing, of course, is it, it means it gives credibility to your program down here from overseas athletes and our facilities. Yeah, um, so I mean, we've we've been taking uh, obviously the elite teams overseas for a while and some of the younger teams overseas, and we're definitely starting to make an impact. Um, you know, we've, we've got parents, parents been approaching me and when we're in Colorado and, you know, how, how do we become part of this team? You know, you're, you're doing such a good job with the younger athletes. You've got a program for them. Um, and now, now the kids here looking at Zoe and Nico on the hill and, um, you know, they're shoulder length away, you know, that they stand right next to them at the drop in, um, Zoe is incredibly friendly with all the, all the younger kids and, um, you know, it, for them, it's just going to be a step away. I mean, she's a perfect role model, it seems, just uh, not just uh, on the course, but off it. Uh, and that is uh, becoming more and more apparent every day. Uh, yesterday's competition, I've got to admit, I'm a convert. Knew nothing about it. The rads, uh, you know, the melon grabbing, the, the stomping the backside. I knew nothing I do now uh, because I've been glued, to be perfectly honest. How did you feel about yesterday's comp? I mean, it was fantastic climax to it. 
Yeah, I mean, Zoe's now had two competitions where uh, it's come down to the to the very last run, um, and that was the same at, at World Champs. Um, so she's she's used to being in that spot, and, and Big Air is a great one to watch. You know, it's, it's one trick you, you can you can see it happening. Um, slope style can be a bit overwhelming sometimes with things happening so quickly. Um, but you know, it's great to see her in that position again. And obviously, we would have loved if she had landed the twelve, but she got a silver medal at the Olympics, so we're pretty excited. I was putting trying to put myself inside her head, thinking, well, whilst uh, Anagasa was. Uh, completing or, or going down her uh, run to make uh, that effort that she did. I was just thinking what would be going through uh, Zoe's mind. Now, had she not landed that, Anna, she'd won gold. Um, Zoe had won gold. So it was all really on the landing of Anna Gasser, which gave her a roundabout, I suppose, a minute to make up her mind and, and on, on her trick, etc. How soon do you think she was actually thinking about that particular, uh, that particular style? Uh, so Zoe, I don't know this 100%, but I'd put money on it that no, even if Anna had, had crashed her 12, I think Zoe would have tried her 12. Um, you know, I think she was there to do her very best, and um, that last trick is a new one for her, and I think she would have gone for it regardless of what position she was in, first or last. Well, Anna's guesser, of course, Anna Gasser is 30 years of age, Zoe, is a long, long way off that. So anything now uh, is possible for this pin-up girl. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what she gets up to. She's had so much success in snowboarding across the board, um, but she loves competing. So she'll be off to natural selection next, which is becoming this massive competition in snowboarding that's outside the park. You know, they build jumps in the backcountry, and she um, uh, she's an excellent free-ride athlete. Um, I, I think we'll I think we'll see her in the World Cup and Olympic world for time to come. But I think that she's eventually going to become a become an international staple of snowboarding you know, across the board. We we sort of uh, started to suspect that uh, she was going to be a real chance. I think really after the X Games uh, just prior to the Winter Olympics starting. But uh, could you see? I mean, could you predict a gold and a silver? Uh, prior to um, these these games, did you see it coming to this extent? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we wanted to, um, you know, counter chickens, but at the same time, we were pretty confident in, in Zoe. Um, she has been at the top of this field for the past couple of years. Um, she's an incredible competitor, and I think she's been the gold medal favorite in our minds for the past two years at least. But again, you know, we didn't. You don't want to uh, count your chickens, and um, you know, you just want to keep keep things simple for an athlete. You know, you just go, do your best, compete, and have fun. You know, um, I think otherwise, you can get kind of lost in the um, result counting. There's more Kiwi action at the the games coming up. Of course, uh, really good performance yesterday from Ben Barclay to secure a spot, uh, and that's uh, free ski slope style this final this afternoon. That was impressive. Oh, so happy for Ben. Um, he's had, uh, you know, he, the couple of years before this, we've been we've been sitting and watching him and thinking, you know, the stuff he's doing is is finals level. He's he's doing the tricks that the other guys are doing. He's putting it together, and it just wasn't happening for him. You know, he's coming in 
30th, 40th, that range. And then this season he's gone out and got his first World Cup podium, and now he's in the Olympic finals. Um, so it's just been a huge year for him, and uh, yeah, can't, couldn't be more happy for him. So we're all waiting for uh, Nico Porteous. We've, we've uh, spoken to him on the show. It's amazingly balanced and, uh, you know, relaxed sort of a young man uh, prior to the event yeah. anyway that uh, we could ascertain. Uh, he's uh, coming off a bronze back in 2018 as well. Uh, he, and he's, he's had his build-up uh, outside of Beijing, hasn't he? He's sort of come into uh, the venue quite late. Yeah, so Halfpipe's the last event for us. Um, and they were in Switzerland, so they've, they've taken the last week to carry on training. Um, they're in lax skiing uh, Halfpipe, so they'll take that extra time to train, whereas... Obviously, the Olympics with COVID and all that, it's pretty locked down. So um, they won't have quite as much ability to train or um, stay active unless the official training is on, which it is now. Um, so that'll be in the pipe and uh, Secret Garden now. Okay, and we've got, uh, as, a, you know, as we know, a very, very young team, which includes uh, his brother Miguel. Uh, ben Harrington, yep. Gustav Lugovsky. Le- Le- uh, tell us what you're expecting from from those blokes in terms of uh, an overall position within the group. Yeah, Miguel's got he's got a actually incredible run that um, he he's had a couple injuries that I think have knocked him down. But if he's able to put put that run together, um, he's he's a threat to the you know top six realm. I'd say Ben Ben's having a huge year. Um, he's he's gone from Again, you know, doing well at the World Cup, having his first X Games start, due to her start, um, and now the Olympics. And Gustav, he's also he's coming right up. He's you know he wasn't a shoe in to make the Olympics. Um, you know we were hoping he was gonna, uh, but he pulled it off in the first two World Cups of of this season. And I, I think he's one of the youngest athletes at the Winter Olympics. Um, mm. So. Pretty excited for him just to go and have the experience to to land to land a, a personal best run at the Olympics and um, you know he's he's got a long future ahead of him for sure so a lot of excitement around that. There is Luke. I, I just wonder you know uh, we're talking to you now and you you're talking uh, what I'd call pretty much normal uh, lingo, uh, but when you're talking to these kids. Uh, and we're starting to talk about rad and all these sorts of things. That uh, have you learnt? I mean, have you been brought up on that language yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. Uh, the you know, they're still kids compared to me now, so um, they, they certainly make me feel old. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure I'm speaking the exact same lingo, but uh, really, really, the focus with them is to get them into an environment that that is. Um, age and stage appropriate and to, to try to bring a high performance atmosphere into their training without without bringing in too much adult influence and to still you know let them be kids and you know that seems to be working i mean we only really uh, i mean i guess the exposure uh, the winter olympics and these sports uh, always get this exposure at this time every four years because of the television exposure etc but uh, just how strong? Just how strong is it within New Zealand in terms of of numbers, etc.? I mean, you're in a pretty good position to to see uh, the talent coming through. But just just how how strong in numbers, etc. I mean, 
Uh, we talk about numbers going away from our traditional sports like rugby, like cricket, uh, like football, etc. Um, are they? Do you find some of these young athletes are really focusing on this full time now? Yeah, so we I wouldn't say we've got thousands of kids to to pick from and ski and snowboarding. Um, you know, it is still a you know, a sport where you have to be at the mountain. Uh, not not many people live here uh, full season, and not too many people are willing to travel to the northern hemisphere for um, three to four months a year. Uh, but that being said, I think we're definitely seeing the number of athletes rise who are focusing on on skiing and snowboarding at, uh, with with the vision of being successful in competition. Whereas before, we'd see kids just come in to you know do a bit of freestyle, have a bit of fun, which is great. Um, in its own right. Now we're seeing kids come in or say, all right, well, what, what competitions do I need to go to? What tricks do I need to be mm-hmm. doing? You know, should I be going to the gym? Um, uh, all, all these type of things. That, how, how do I follow in their footsteps? And, and we're certainly seeing, I'm, I'm excited about the next couple of generations. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited. Well, Luke, that's great to know. Uh, you're obviously very instrumental in in those numbers and the future for them. Congratulations on uh, what you've been able to achieve and uh, particularly with, uh, with Zoe and this particular team at the moment. I uh, look forward to Nico and the boys fronting up for us very shortly as well. Uh, great to chat, mate, and great to know that uh, the sport is in such good heart uh, and let's hope for uh, a, a really great last few days. Thank you. Yeah, fingers crossed. Have a good day. Yeah, have a good day yourself, uh, Luke Hetzel there, and uh, he is the Snow Sports New Zealand Park and Pipe Athlete Development Manager. Uh, somewhere in there, there's a P-A-P-A-D, Papa, Papa D, I think that's what they should call him, Papa D, uh, Luke Hetzel, and uh, yeah, exciting. So our subject today is uh, how clean do you think uh, Ian Foster's piece of paper should be, bearing in mind Super Rugby is just about to kick off proper. Uh, how how many places are guaranteed in your mind? Should anyone have too much of a luxury at this point? Uh, and then, of course, uh, have you just on a, a slightly humorous sideline? But we just like to know. We're a bit worried. Uh, have, has anyone seen bears? Has anyone seen bears? Double eight, double three. I've got a text from Dave saying, "Smithy, get on France. Three dollars seventy-five for the World Cup. Three dollars seventy-five for France. If you're patient." Patient with your money, not a bad option. 9.47. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Interesting news uh, from uh, Sir Mark Todd, of course. Uh, Scottish uh, court have decided that there will be no charges uh, against Mark Todd for disciplining the horse as such with a uh, big piece of branch. That happened two years ago. I didn't realise that, John. It happened two years ago. Uh, so he's outside the, the chance to be charged for that, but... Uh, didn't take away from the fact that he's done it. He's probably done it since uh, that the video was taken two years ago as well. Uh, but he's apologised for his actions and uh, he won't be uh, stripped of his knighthood, uh, even though the animal welfare advocates uh, believe that perhaps he should be. Yeah, Scottish laws hooked him up here. Uh, they had to have that footage within six months of it happening, but it was two years ago, so he's got away with it, but his reputation's taken a hit, that's for sure. It has, uh, it, there's no doubt about that, but uh, he'll be relieved that uh, it won't go any further, but uh, he'll also know um, full well that he, he uh, is under severe scrutiny from here on. It's still just 65 years of age. Um, you, you sort of associate Mark Todd being a lot older because he's been such a superstar in the equestrian ranks for such a long period of time, but that is the case. So uh, we will not be ha- having any discipline for Sir Mark Todd.
just a, a seriously good looking at. It is 9.53. Dumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we were all alive until Melbourne City were unable to beat Adelaide in the A-League uh, last night. They lost 2-1, so uh, that one was uh, unsuccessful. Today we head in at 8-15 uh, with the Phoenix to, uh, Suns to beat... Uh, sorry, the Phoenix, our Phoenix tonight. Uh, Wellington Phoenix to beat Brisbane. $2.75, that's the value one there. Uh, I believe they will. Miami Heat to beat uh, the Dallas Mavericks this afternoon at a buck fifty-three, And Minnesota to beat the Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets at $1.36. Rounding off to $5.72. So uh, that is our value today, $5.72. Uh, it's coming up to the news, and after that, really looking forward to talking to Millie Kerr. Millie Kerr is a... Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Sweet hard and flat for four. What a shot, what a way to bring up a second one-day international 100 for Mealy Kerr. It's been a masterclass from the right-hander. Oh, you betcha she can. She's going to do it in style. She'll pick up a boundary. She'll give her sister a hug and say, well played. That is an amazing innings from Mealy Kerr with help from her sister Jess at the end. New Zealand pull off a difficult chase and they win by three wickets. Well, the White Ferns are on a roll at the moment with just 16 days until the Cricket World Cup begins uh, right here in New Zealand. They've taken a 2-0 lead in the best of five series uh, over uh, India, all being played at the, the John Davies Oval in Queenstown. Uh, won yesterday's game by three wickets with six balls to spare and leading the way, undoubtedly with a splendid 119 not out, was star all-rounder Mealy Kerr, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Mealy. Uh, thanks for your, very much for, for your time. Uh, but weary this morning. That was uh, quite a marathon effort. Yeah, it was a special one yesterday for the White Firms, and um, it was just nice to be able to walk out, not out, and and finish the job, and and give Jess a hug at the end after she hit the hit the winning run. So um, it's nice to get a couple couple wins on the board, and um, the team's tracking very nicely. It is tracking nicely because uh, when you go after a score like two hundred and seventy. Uh, that is a, a decent old run chase and, and also uh, sometimes they can go very well, you can do it on the bit sometimes you have to battle pretty hard and I, I think the way that you recovered from 55 for 3 uh, gives you more confidence Yeah, I think um, we did lose lose those 3 wickets in clumps a little bit and then um, Maddie came out and we just spoke about building a partnership together and rebuilding and because we got off to a bit of a flyer, there wasn't um, much run rate pressure, which allowed us to get ourselves in, and um, we knew that we probably needed a big, a big partnership to win that game and to take it deep. And um, I think the way Maddie played was outstanding. Uh, I think the way you played was outstanding. Uh, 119 not out, um, so accepting the responsibility to get the job done is one thing, but uh, it must be personally satisfying to you. I mean, we know you've scored uh, a double hundred, but it, uh, it's been a while to when the next hundred came along. Yeah, it has been. I think um, the 
last few years I've kind of been batting a bit bit of everywhere from from three to to number nine so um, it's nice now that um, I've been given that opportunity to bat at three and to consistently be in the top order and I've done a lot of work throughout the week on my game plan and 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 how I want to play both spin and pace and I think um, that's been the key for me just going about my processes and just playing good good cricket shots at a pretty low risk um, and and giving myself a chance to score big runs. So yeah, um, the, the number three spot is, uh, is the key. They always say your best players should bat at the top of the order, give them the most balls to face. Yesterday, just seven boundaries, so uh, you must be physically in pretty good shape because there's a lot of running involved uh, after that. Yeah, I wish I was a bit more of a boundary hitter, so I didn't need to run as much. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was, I was, the boundaries were a decent size, and it's not the quickest outfield there, so a, a lot of a lot of twos and singles, um, which is probably how I score a lot of my runs um, anyway. So um, I think I covered about eighteen, nineteen k yesterday um, in the game. <laughs> wow. That is a fair old distance, I think it's fair to say. Uh, what about the, the bowling side of things, Mealy? I mean, the batting looks to be in pretty good shape at the moment. How are you feeling about uh, the way it's, it's coming out of the hand? Yeah, I think I probably haven't started so well with the ball, but have come back better in my second spell, so I think that's a real work on for me, and it looks like um, they're gonna, they've been looking to play me off the back foot a bit more, so I probably... Um, can bowl a bit fuller and I've probably missed a bit short but I know I bowl best when I get in the fight and in the battle and, and compete so I think that's a real key for me and um, it's important with the batting responsibility and bowling responsibility that um, with each skill I'm focused focused um, when it's that time and 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 tra- training for both as well. So 41 day internationals, 41 T20s for you at this point, uh, I mean, you're you're the ripe old age of 21. You've been in the squad and the side for six years already, Mealy. For goodness sake, you're. Uh, I mean, that's a that's some that's some people's career. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, it's um, a bit crazy to think that I've been in the um, team that long while still being at at 21. But I think I mean, it's, I absolutely love cricket, and I know, and I always have, and I love being a part of this White Ferns group. It's a very special bond, and in a way, with um, starting my career off as a bowler and now becoming um, an all-rounder, it almost feels like you're starting your career again, debuting as a batter. So, um, yeah, I guess now it's just keeping on developing my skills of bat, bat bowling in the field, and just trying to contribute to the team and all facets of the game. One of the nice things I, I think as I look at the build-up to this World Cup is is that a number of players uh, seem to be hitting form around about the right time. And I'm uh, talking here about Susie Bates. Sophie Devine seldom is out of form. Uh, Amy Satterthwaite as well has, has had a couple of big knocks. Captain yesterday, I think. Uh, it seems to be really as if it's it's just kind of dovetailing in nicely at this point. Yeah, I think it's um, a great pre- great preparation before a World Cup to play in there, and they've been in the finals for the last last couple of World Cups. And I think we've just got the balance right at the moment of our side. We've had a few players in and out with injuries um, as well. And I think the exciting thing is, as well as those big names of Bates and Devine and Satisfaite, 
people like Maddie um, scoring a 50 yesterday and our themers with Jess coming in and seeing Fran, Fran Bull yesterday, 10 overs. Um, I think that's the exciting thing about this this side is that more players are starting to step up and, and contribute to match-winning performances. Big day for Amy yesterday. Uh, she was uh, put on as captain. I think that's a good move, actually, uh, having a contingency plan where you do have two specialist captains just in case. We saw that uh, 1992 with Martin Crowe getting injured in the World Cup way, way, way back then and having to change tactics and everything at the last minute. So I, I think that's a, a really nice plan. But a, and along the way, of course, she's now the most capped player past Sarah McGlashan and uh, Susie Bates not far away. Yeah, Amy is a is a legend of New Zealand cricket. Um, she has a wealth of knowledge and she's obviously played the most games for New Zealand. So um, to be able to share a dressing room with her and she's been a huge mentor for me in terms of my cricket. She's often a player I go to before each game and we sit down and watch footage together and um, I just love picking away at her cricket cricket brain and she has a very calm approach to to her batting so um, we're lucky to have so many amazing leaders in this side that that people can learn off and um, yeah it's a special achievement for Amy and especially after having a baby and hopefully she's um, got another hundred more in her. Yeah wouldn't that be great. Uh, Hey listen talking about mentors and and things uh, Bags Murray is your granddad uh, the you know Bruce Murray he was uh, an institution of Wellington cricket when I was your age. I mean, he, um, Bruce Murray was someone everyone looked up to. Um, and, and, of course, I would imagine you have a lot of communication with him. Yeah, very close to um, my grandparents. So very lucky that they live about a minute down the road from me, so I'm often at their place. Um, and, yeah, he's obviously a very good cricketer. He never really speaks about it, though. Um, and he doesn't really talk to me about cricket either, but... In terms of the person he is and the strong family values that he shares and he's done a lot of work in education, he's probably um, more proud of um, people in our family for the person they are rather than their achievements on a sporting field or whatever it may be. But um, he's, a, he's a pretty special, special man and, um, again, just lucky to have so many role models in my family as well. You are. I mean, I think what you're talking about is the headmaster and Bruce Murray as opposed to the cricketer. <laughs> uh, but what about uh, what about mum and dad too? Um, very closely supportive and, uh, you know, a real sporting family. Yeah, we got a bit of a sporting gene in our family and it was um, special yesterday. Mum and dad decided to come come and watch. So they were, they were in the crowd with the um, other families that are here and, yeah, the... Just great having my parents around and um, they've never been pushy or anything. They're very calm, um, calm watchers of the game and they just love it and and special to walk off with Jess and then go, go see um, the parents from a distance yesterday. Yeah, no, that's fantastic to play. I mean, to play cricket with a sibling too, uh, extra, extra special. So, uh, and Jess is going well. So, uh, and the team's going well. I mean, you know, one of the things about... Uh, heading into a World Cup is you need momentum uh, and, and it, it looks as if it's, it's really sorting itself out in, in that regard. So these next three games uh, against India, series aside, uh, that has got to continue. Yeah, it does and I think um, with the last two wins, first 
setting a big score and then chasing a big score gives us a lot of um, confidence and belief um, that we can chase anything and 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 that we are a quality side. And I think um, in the past, with it's it's been a tough few, few years for the White Ferns, but this this series, hopefully, um, getting the balance right and putting performances together like the last two games gives us a lot of confidence that. Um, we, we are capable of, of doing something special at the World Cup. So, Mealy, uh let's look at uh, the opposition side. You're getting a good look at India, but uh, it doesn't stop there. Of course, uh, England and Australia have been playing a, a multi-purpose series uh, over there. Um, so, you know, you know the, uh, a lot of the Australian players well because, of course, you're a member of uh, the Brisbane Heat and the Big Bash. Uh, who were the biggest threats in this tournament? Yeah, I think... Obviously, um, we just saw how successful Australia had been in the in the Ashes series, and um, we all know that they're a quality cricket side, and they have some big names. and And England have always um, always been a good team as well. I think the exciting thing about the women's game now is that it's not that there's just three or four teams that that um, can compete to win the win win a World Cup. There's India, South Africa big names in the West Indies side. So um, if every game's going to be a really good challenge. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, lot of quality cricketers out there, but I think if we can just focus on our strengths and what we can do, and at the end of the day, a good ball's a good ball at any better, and, and then we're in, we're in control with the bat in terms of what shots we play. How'd you like to play a test for New Zealand? I mean, uh, I hope that some stage that's possible. Uh, a test 100, that would be nice. It would be nice. I'd absolutely love to play a um, test match for New Zealand. It'd be nice to bat on a good wicket and then somehow swap pitches and bowl on a um, on on a wicket that turns. But yeah, I'd absolutely love to play play a test for New Zealand. And it's nice being able to see Aussie and England do that. And hopefully, we get the opportunity to in the future. Well, Millie, you're sounding good. You're sounding bubbly, which is great, and you're playing well, which is magnificent. So. Uh, get the most out of you can out of these last three games and we look forward to that World Cup where I think the country's just excited, so excited about the whole deal. It'd be nice to get some fans there, wouldn't it? Squeeze a few pockets of yeah. 100 around the place. Hopefully a few pods, pods around the place and can get some sort of a little bit of, a, of an atmosphere going. But, um, yeah, very excited for the World Cup to start. Yeah, it's a unique experience playing one at home, I promise you that. So enjoy it uh, and thanks very much for your time this morning. Cheers. Thanks heaps, Ian. Yeah, cheers. Millie Kerr there. Uh, she's just fantastic, isn't she? I mean, goodness me, we're so we're so spoilt with young female sporting talent in this country. But that girl, uh, at the age of 15, coming into international cricket at the age of 15, that's a tough environment. Uh, and then to achieve what she's been able to do at a young age, uh, and then, of course, come back after you know taking time away and come back, it seems just as strong and perhaps an even better and more balanced cricketer. I mean, you know, I mean... To be honest, uh, how long she going to play, but and, and of course, how long will she be the New Zealand cricket captain? Uh, that'll be the next thing as well. So, uh, yeah, ten seventeen here on SENZ. A little bit slow with these texts, so obviously no one's seen Baz, uh, and you're not too worried about uh, Fozzie's uh, clean sheet of paper, and uh, you think that things are under control uh, with the All Blacks. I don't. Uh, we'll have a panel next, uh, and Andrew Gordy will have plenty to say about that, I'm sure, and so will Guy Havelt. That's coming up. Um, uh, yeah, look, uh, it was obviously 
not the colour of metal that she wanted, but man, she's impressive, isn't she? And actually, while we're at it, how about that whole event? That whole event was, was deeply impressive to watch. And um, I actually thought that Jimmy Neesham, uh, a tweet from Jimmy Neesham sums it up. He said, I've watched a lot of other sports that I've been terrible at, but the Winter Olympics definitely has the highest number that would literally kill me. And that is absolutely right. Every time uh, these athletes go down these slopes, and, and what they're getting, I mean, it's only got about eight and a half metres of, of, of air at one point, I think, and it's just staggering. Um, what these what these athletes put themselves through. I, I have the, the greatest admiration for all of them, um, and I'm just in awe of Zoe. She has been uh, just so professional about the whole thing, and, and the way she manages to keep her her emotions in check, I suppose, even when the pressure is on. And obviously, you know, she, she she didn't get the result. I'm sure that she was she was hoping for yesterday. But, but yeah, like I say, the utmost respect uh, to her for what she has achieved. Um, not just at these Olympic Games, but, but recently in the X Games as well. She she deserves to be mentioned among our all-time great Olympic athletes, I believe. I, I, I totally believe that. I really do. I'm not quite sure she's in Lisa Carrington class yet, but she's only 17 or 18 years of age. She's got a long future and ahead of her. Uh, incidentally, mm. uh, that uh, where they start, uh, the top of that run is around... 50 metres high, around 50 metres high, Guy Avelt, which would look very, very high for you. <laughs> that's, a fair, that's a fair few of me, Smilly, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, echo, <laughs> echo both your sentiments. Um, look, uh, how many Kiwis have we had who have won multiple Olympic medals at the same Olympics? Not many. She has joined a, a very illustrious group in New Zealand sporting history, and, and as, as Gord says, the way she goes about it is just a joy to watch. Uh, one thing I would say about not just uh, the snowboarding yesterday, but also the, the downhill skiing. And I am about to put a, bit, a little bit of a down buzz on things. I find, and, and I'm, a, I'm about to open myself up here for criticism, uh, having commentated a sport that I don't know a lot about on Saturday in King in the Ring. But I just find the commentary at these Olympics a bit grating, not very good, in the sense that I know nothing about what is happening in the snowboarding, and all we're getting is, oh, that was amazing, oh, wow, and, you know, that sort of thing. I don't have any explanation around why something was so good or why something wasn't so good. And even when they do crash, we seem to get a lot of excitement about how, how amazing it was. I want some analysis in the commentary, and then when it comes to the downhill skiing, and I'll give Dylan Cleaver a shout-out here in his, uh, in his blog, The Bounce. Ever since he wrote about the commentary of the downhill skiing, and that the, the, the male commentator on that, all he talks about is, is whether the person is under or over the leader's splits. That's all he does. That is honestly all he does. And ever since Dylan wrote that, that's all I've thought when I've watched it. And it's, it's quite hard to take in. You can't really understand what's going on, where they're losing time, where they're gaining time, why they're losing time, why they're gaining time. So sorry to bring it down, Buzz, but that has been grating me these entire Olympics. Well, I don't know what you've been listening to, Havelt, because it's quite obvious. You're either a, you're either you're either traditional or you're goofy, and if you if you're doing goofy instead of traditional, you're going the reverse. Uh, and then if you get your maximum height, and then of course you stomp you stomp your landing, you stomp the backside, uh, and if you haven't mel- grabbed the melon on the way down, you're going to lose points. Uh, man, how rad how rad do you have to be? It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, you anyway, basic, mate. Get Smithy in the combo, kid. Get over there, Smithy. Yeah, good on you. Oh, I'm a, I'm a warm weather guy. Hey, Goods, 
but we are gifted, man. We are so gifted uh, with uh, Zoe's. Uh, I've just been talking to, to Mealy Kerr for the first time. Uh, 21 years of age, 119 not out yesterday. Trucking along quite nicely, the White Ferns, when you see an experience like that coming to the fore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I suppose two things there. We'll talk about the team and talk about Amelia Kerr. Amelia Kerr just, I mean, yeah, you, you, you do. You put her in the same bracket as Zoe sadowski Senate. Just such a, a prodigious talent. Uh, such a young age. Seems to just, the game just looks so easy for her. That was something we were actually saying yesterday watching Zoe. I mean, you're watching these other athletes go down, go down the slopes and, and try and pull off these tricks. And they, they look like they're, they're searching. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not quite confident in, in what they're trying to pull off here. And Zoe goes down the slopes, and, and she is just, she's all over it. It's like this is, she knows exactly what she's doing. She's here to execute, and the execution is, is on point. Um, obviously, it wasn't for her final run. Same, same with Amelia Kerr. The game just looks so easy for her. Compared to compared to other athletes, and you know, I'm, I'm low. I mean, I'm, I'm low to compare, and it's and it's and it's not great to compare. But you really do, um, and I'm sure we would all agree that you always had that sense about someone like Kane Williamson as well. Like his technique just looked so much better than everyone else he was he was playing with. Now, I'm not suggesting for a minute, and I'm not going to put the pressure on Amelia Kerr to suggest that she's she's going to um, you know be be the sort of uh, athlete that Kane Williamson has become for us, but. But man, it's clear she has got a massive future ahead of her, and and the impact that it's having on her team now—a team which has really been struggling for confidence. Let's, let's be honest. Um, I've got to I've got to be perfectly honest. I, you know, several months ago, I was wondering what sort of performance we were going to get from this White Ferns team uh, in this in this World Cup. And you are starting to, to feel some confidence. They're heading in the right direction. You know, winning builds momentum. I know it's a massive cliche, but it is a, it is true. And if they can keep this uh, this winning feeling going against India, then you know they'll be trending in the right direction. Come kind of World Cup time on home soil. Yeah, I think they're a reasonable chance here, guy. Now uh, uh, they might not win it, but I think they're going to cause a lot of lot more problems than they were a, a couple of months ago. Lost. Oh, guy have guy have else dropped off actually, um, but I made a good point there, and he would have totally agreed. It's coming up to uh, the news. <laughs> Coming up, to, it's coming up to the news here at 10.30. We're going to go across to there, uh, Gordon. When we come back, uh, along with Guy, uh, we'll talk the other side of the Winter Olympics, which uh, isn't going to go away in a hurry, either one feels. It's uh, coming up 10.30. Big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy, Guy Havelt with us this morning on the panel, and uh, we're talking very positively about the Winter Olympics and the performance of... Uh, several young ladies in particular around the world of sport. But uh, Guy Havelt, uh, there is uh, a slightly ugly side to this, uh, even further developing. Camilla Valieva, uh, now uh, she came back and competed with the permission of this Court of Arbitration. Uh, she's leading the field, which means she's uh, on track to get a medal, but she won't get one, and neither will the two people alongside her. How ridiculous say she won bronze, and gold and silver won't be presented to rightful winners. Yeah, uh, sorry about before, Smithy. Not sure what's going on. This this is crazy, isn't it? Uh, this this just puts a blight over the whole figure skating competition for me. Uh, just just bizarre that they are letting her continue. Um, and I saw a, a tweet or a comment from Shikari Richardson, the Jamaican sprinter, who got done for for marijuana. Now, if you're a if you're a runner, I would have thought marijuana would be detrimental to your performance, and yet she copped a ban. 
and, and, and the Russian skater is able to continue. I, I find that just incredibly bizarre, complete double standards uh, and a real blight on, on this competition. It is. Uh, in her particular case, I read that tweet as well, hers was medicinal marijuana following the news of uh, the death of her mother. Um, so, you know, that was the reason she had, uh, had for that. Uh, what, have, what have you made, Gords, of this? I mean, I think this, is, uh, this hasn't finished yet, this story, because uh, this girl is so damn good at what she does, aside from the other side of it. Yeah, look, every single angle that you look at this, it is an absolute mess. Let's start, I mean, we're, sort of like, where do you start? The girl is 15 years old. 15 years old. There is no teenager in the world that should be going through this, frankly, um, in, in any sport. In any, like the, the, imagine the pressure that is on her shoulders. Uh, pressure, to, pressure to perform, pressure to deliver. She fails the drug test. There's, I mean, there's obvious questions for every single person around the world, not least, obviously, because she's Russian and Russian history uh, when it comes to doping. But the, even the excuse, I mean, I'm sorry, but granddad's heart medication, give me a break. Like, it's, it's, that is so scarcely believable. Um, and it just, again, it just sounds like excuses, reaching for excuses, clutching at straws. Um, and then, like you say, we've got this farcical situation where other athletes, who have abided by the rules, and, and look, I mean, uh, maybe I should be giving her the benefit of the doubt, um, but while the court, the court of Arbitration for Sport has said that um, she should be allowed to compete, but how is this fair on any other athlete who has come to these Olympic Games? This is the, this is their moment, they've built up towards this, this moment for years, they deliver on the world stage and they don't get their moment. I mean, we've been through this in a way, I suppose, haven't we, with, with Valerie um, following this, that Chook's um, failed drugs test. She... She didn't get her, her golden moments, I suppose, in the same way. And I'm just sick and tired of athletes not, not getting that. They deserve that. Of, 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 it's the very least they deserve after all the, all the effort and time um, that not only them but all the people around them put in. That, that's, what, that's what they build towards, their moment on the podium. And for them to not get that, I just think is, is disgraceful. And, and it really does, like you say, it's a blight on not just the figure skating competition, it's a blight on the entire Winter Olympics, I have to say, and it, again, it's just—it feels like weakness from the IOC, um, pandering towards towards these, these athletes and this federation, obviously. Um, and it's again, I just can't quite believe that the Court of Arbitration for Sport has 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 come up with a, a ruling that allows her to compete. It's it's sad and it's and it's it's ridiculous, really, whatever way you look at it. Yeah, I mean, it's just—I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense when you follow the whole process through. Uh, let's, uh, let's hope uh, the next subject does, uh, Guy, because Super Rugby, of course, kicking off this uh, weekend. Uh, and my question this morning really is, uh, how clean is uh, Ian Foster's piece of paper? I mean, how many names has he got inked on there already? Or after the end to 2021, should it be relatively clean in your mind? Yeah, it's a very good question, Smithy. I, I hadn't really thought much about this, but uh, when, when the topics were sent through this morning, I did start to ponder it. it it's, it's a great question at the moment. Probably fewer names on paper set in stone than there probably have been for the last decade, maybe even longer than that. I mean, um, you know, there, there, there were so many players last year who underperformed both of the All Blacks and in Super Rugby, both in the forwards and the backs. A number of players who are probably coming to the end or closer to the end of their careers who are, who are maybe possibly slightly off the pace. 
but look, the, the, the other thing, there's lots of pressure on Ian Foster, isn't there? I mean, he has to he has to find the right formula that is going to get the All Blacks results because last year was incredibly disappointing. I know you throw COVID in and all that, and it's not going to get easier in that regard. But to me, that's not really an excuse. He's had his contract extended already, uh, and through to through to the end of the next World Cup, and and now the pressure is on him, and the pressure is on New Zealand rugby to deliver. So. Yeah, look, he, he can have as much of a clean slate as he likes. Uh, the fact is he's got to pick the right players that are going to do the job because he is going to be under immense pressure every time the All Blacks go out on the park in the next year or so. And, Guy, uh, that's an interesting point you make because, Gords, uh, we know now he's got a new co-selector in Joe Smith. What I didn't realise until I did a bit of research myself this morning is Joe won't be actually hands-on with the All Blacks until after Ireland leave, which is out of respect. Now, uh, that means... He'll have about 11 months of, uh, of time, not necessarily rugby action, to get alongside uh, Ian Foster uh, and pick a, a pick, pick a World Cup winning squad. So uh, are we led to believe he won't have any input till then, point one? Uh, point two, if that's the case, that's leaving it quite late, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is leaving it quite late. And, and I've got to say, Smithy, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what sort of impact Joe Schmidt will have once... Yeah, look, if, he, if he's not going to be part of it initially, I suppose, uh, you know, maybe we'll just have to sort of wait and see, I guess. But I, I just have this, this feeling that as soon as Joe Schmidt comes on board and starts throwing in some of his ideas, uh, we, he could have quite a transformational effect on, on what we're seeing out of this All Blacks team, which is not to, not to say that Ian Foster's not a good coach. Um, I, I think Ian Foster's a good coach, but... Gee, they, they had a pretty rough end to, the, uh, to last year, didn't they? And I hear what you're saying, Guy, about, about the pressures on him, Foster. I, I sort of I do wonder about that, actually. If his contract's been extended through to the end of the World Cup, how much pressure really is there on him to deliver results and deliver them right now? I mean, the pressure's clearly going to be on in the, I, I, would, I would have thought, more in, in 2023 and in, in the build-up, especially to that, to that Rugby World Cup. But this year... Um, he, he's really just kind of got to do enough, doesn't he? He's got to show that there's some progress in different areas. I am curious to see, um, and I suppose the question you're asking is, is, will he have a blank sheet of paper? How much of that pressure is going to go on on those players that are, who quite clearly underperformed at the end of last year? How much is, is he imposter putting that on, on those players? And how much of it is he putting on himself as the coach who, who sets the blueprint, I suppose, for how this team plays? Um, and, yeah, I think when it comes to naming his first all-black squad, uh, of this year, it will be fascinating to see how many players he's prepared to keep chase with, um, because that is, let's face it, that's, that's the, the sort of attitude that he has inherited, isn't it, from Steve Hansen. Hansen was extremely loyal, and, and I think by and large what we've seen from Ian Foster is loyalty to a group of players who have sort of been there, done that, but if they're not doing the business, mm. well, yeah, let's, let's see how bold he is for the selection. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, that is uh, quite, uh, still quite some time away, although it'll roll around quickly. Mm. Uh, really a uh, short time away. In fact, they will have had the toss this time tomorrow in Christchurch as the first test. Guy, between uh, the Black Caps and uh, the Pro Tears, uh, I, I'm looking forward to this series. I think this is a season-defining series for the Black Caps. Massively, it's smoothly, 100%. It, it's, it, this, is what, this is the only part of the summer, really, that, that I think most of us are, are entirely interested in. I obviously watch... The Black Caps, every time they play, I like watching them play, but this is, this is the crux of the summer. 
these two tests against South Africa uh, is what I think most of the fans have been building for, hopefully what the players have been building for as well. They've never beaten South Africa in a test series, and despite the fact having no Kane Williamson, having Ross Ta- no Ross Taylor, this would still be, uh, I would say, one of New Zealand's best chances of getting a series victory over South Africa. Um, they obviously they, they are going to rely a lot on Tom Latham, Devin Conway, those types of guys to, to, to score, put runs on the board. Uh, and then it's going to be up to, to you know, Southie, Wagner again, the same two guys that we always talk about with the ball to do the business. But, uh, yeah, look, the, the pressure is on the Black Cats, I think. Um, they were obviously, they won the World Test Championship and that will live long in every cricket fan's memory in this country. But they need to back that, start backing that up because they were so disappointing against Bangladesh. Uh, and as I say, and they were, they were fairly disappointing in India, albeit in very tough conditions, as we know. Uh, but this is, this is the part of the summer that they need to perform. And if they can get a drawn test series, if they can win a test, uh, I think that would probably be a pass mark. Uh, but this is a, a great opportunity for them to finally win a test series over South Africa, absolutely. Uh, the reason I think, uh, Gords, is that it's uh, so uh, defining is uh, because I'm not that confident about the uh, longevity of, of Kane Williamson. I'm looking at the glass half empty here scenario. Uh, this tendon problem I think is going to be around for a while. Uh, there is a, a precedence, of course, for him to play uh, IPL cricket for obvious reasons, and he doesn't owe us anything, uh, to be honest. But while he's our ca- uh, captain, named captain, we, we want to see him out there, but... For me, this top five, this top five, and I'm talking here, Young, Latham, Conway, Nichols at four, Mitchell at five. Really, really important, this. It's important, and I've got to say, Smithy, uh, that the five names that you mentioned, they, they don't, as a combination, they don't fill you with confidence. Individually, those are all very, very good, very com- competent players. But when you take Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor... Out of, out of any top five, that it's going to be weaker. No, no question about it. And I'm going into this test, I, I, I don't feel, I can't feel confident, simply because three of our pillars of this, of this World Test Championship winning side are not there. And I, and I think if you, if you took the three best players out of any champion team, let, let's, okay, let's, as an example, let's talk about the 2015 All Blacks, all conquering, what a team that was. But if we went into let's say, a World Cup final without Richie McCord, Dan Carter, and I'm going to say Aaron Smith. Would, would they have won? I'm not sure. Because as, as good as that team was, when you take three key players, and, and they are key players, let's, let's face it, um, they're going to be weaker, without question. And I'm concerned heading into this match about the pressure that's on Tom Latham. I think um, uh, Nichols has been scratching around for runs. Conway, as good as he is, is, is now assuming Kane Williamson's position in the team for this match, that comes with pressure as well. And then you're looking for, for Young or Mitchell, really, to be, to be providing some runs as well, ideally both of them. But, but there's an awful lot of individual pressure on, on those players going into this match. And, and I'm sorry, but any time you don't take Trent Holt into a test match, you, you're losing something. As good as um, I'm sure it'll probably be Matt Henry who, who comes in there, um, mm. it'll still be a, 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 a very solid uh, Black Cats bowling unit, but... Yeah, I, I can't feel confident going into this. I feel like we're underdogs for the first time in a long time going into a test series on home soil. I hope they prove me wrong. Yep, so then, can I, I just jump do. in? And, uh, and, and, yeah, yes. And this is absolutely no crack at you, but there have been people who have brought up what you just brought up around Kane Williamson and the IPL. Uh, I think any 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 um, 
Any comments along the lines of, oh, watch for Kane Williamson to be playing the IPL even though he's injured for his test series? I think any comment about that, about him, is an utter insult to one of to our greatest probably ever cricketer. Uh, that guy puts everything on the line for New Zealand. He always performs. He always turns up. Uh, and for, and as I say, this is not a slight at you, but there have been a lot of people suggesting that he won't play this test series, but watch, he will play the IPL. If Kane's fit, he'll play the IPL. Good on him. Power to him. If he's not fit, he won't play. Uh, and he's the type of guy who, you know, he's not going to just around and wait for the money to roll around and I, I think it's just a complete and utter insult to him uh, and to what he's done for New Zealand cricket for people to suggest that. I think it's also well, a lack of on. understanding of the injury. I think it's also a lack yeah. of understanding of the injury. He's, he's got a tendon yeah. issue in his, in his elbow so that's, a, that's going to be a loading issue. So asking Kane Williamson to go out and bat for however many overs he might bat in a, in a test match yeah. Uh, first and second innings is completely different. The sort of loading he's going to have playing T20 cricket. It's yeah, that, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. Anyone who's presenting that sort of argument um, is, is one disrespectful for Kane Williamson, but two is not understanding the injury at all. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much for that. Uh, I've taken that on one of my many chins. Uh, you'll be happy to know, guys. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, it's not on you. <laughs> happy. Happy to take it, um, and um, this is just the jealous me. Guy Havel, Andrew Gordy have been on the panel this morning, been fantastic too, guys. I love, I love your thoughts, I uh, always do every time that you're on. Uh, it's 10.46 here on SENZ. We'll have another panel tomorrow morning. Uh, because we overran the panel a wee bit, and that is my fault as the conductor, um, we haven't got a lot of time to read out your text, but I assure you we shall be in the next hour. Uh, we've got to get to Louis Herman Watt shortly. And, of course, our visit to the TAB to perhaps give you some insight on how you can get some money this afternoon. Uh, just a non... Just time, John. Just time. Don't shake your fist at me. Uh, just time for one text here, not cricket or sport-related. Isn't it a hard case how the tow truck drivers renowned for intimidation and bully boy tactics are too gutless to tow the protesters' cars away? I'll leave it at that. 10.50. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Right. Let's get straight across to the man himself, uh, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, racing today at Tauranga, Louis. Yeah, that's right, Smithy. Looks like it'll be a slowish track, slow nine. They've got it rated at the moment. The weather's fine, so I hope for some drying conditions. And actually, Brendan Popwell has been pushing us along on Cornwallis in race number two, number four, first starter, son of Lonroe, can gallop, good jockey, good stable. I like it as well. I think it makes a lot of sense. And in race number seven, gee, there must have been some scratchings here, otherwise people were listening to me this morning. I tipped Kill Me Evie out at $6 and $2.20. Well, it's now $4 and $1.60. I think it'll be running a place, Smithy. Okay, thanks very much uh, for that, Louis. Very brief call today. Uh, we've got to get across to the TAB where we will catch up with Pip Morris. Good morning to you, uh, Pip. And you've got Greyhounds at Palmerston North today. Good morning, Smithy. Yes, we certainly do. An 11 race card kicks off at around 12pm. And look, I made my best the other day in race number 10 to 4, big time tank. I think she can win a game at $2.80. And then, of course, 
On the sports side of things, Smithy, I've got the Super Rugby Pacifica kick, kicking off this weekend. The TAB's got the Super Rugby bonus back to look forward to. So you can place a pre-match winning team and margin bet on selected Super Rugby team. And if you win, your team wins, but you get the incorrect margin, you get a refund up to $50 as a bonus bet. So check out the TNCs on that. And can say the Chiefs are the best backed at the moment. 1-12 to 12 looks to be the most popular at this stage. Yeah, the Chiefs showing uh, early season form. Of course, they mopped up for Moana Pacifica, but they showed some good form in uh, that uh, game of three halves the other day as well. Hey, Pip, thanks very much. Enjoy uh, the Greyhounds today. Uh, busy hour this has been. Quick finish to it. More, <coughs> more considered opinions after 11 o'clock, including the man, Brendan Laney. <laughs> Ah, oh, well done, JD. Very good. Uh, Super Rugby is just three sleeps away, and there's a couple of cracking games first up on Saturday. The Hurricanes and the Crusaders will be battling Dunedin. Uh, the Highlanders uh, hit the road, go to uh, Northville, are based there anyway, aren't they, to uh, Whakatipu Rugby Club to beat the Chiefs, to meet the Chiefs, hopefully to beat them in Queenstown. Uh, so to preview it, uh, we've got him. Yeah, it's Brendan Chainsaw Laney with us. Uh, we're going to focus... Uh, we're going to focus on it as if it would be anything else after that uh, build-up. Uh, hey, first, first of all, Brendan Laney, uh, belated Happy New Year to you, sir. Uh, how are things down there uh, in the South Island for you, business-wise in particular? Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Same to you, mate. Uh, been a while since I caught up there, to be fair. But, um, yeah, look, it's, uh, it's challenging times for everyone at the moment. Um, you know, we've we've had to put a few split shifts on just to keep your business going. So if, if someone does get it, at least it, not everyone's a close contact. And um, that comes with uh, with costs, but it also comes with um, people having to do strange hours and and um, puts a bit of pressure on uh, people at home too. So, uh, look, it is, it, is a, it is a challenging time for everyone, but we've just got to, we've got to get through as best we can and, and hopefully, hopefully everyone, not just us, but for everyone, it's uh, it sort of goes through this wave, goes through reasonably quickly, and we can we can get on with it. So um, yeah, tough times, but um, on, you know everyone's in the same boat at the moment. It's just got to be got to be friendly to each other and get through. Yeah, well, you're a resilient man, and so uh, one of the reasons you are is because you're uh, a Highlanders man, and we'd love to talk to you about the Highlanders. Of course, uh, they made the uh, the Trans Tasman final last year. Uh, let's uh, let's look at uh, the squad overall. Uh, you, are you pretty happy? Look, they're, they're playing some games at home early. Uh, I'm not sure if that's an advantage without a crowd or not, but at least they're on their home patch, aren't they? Yeah, did right. I think they'll be uh, they'll be pretty excited about that. Even if it was in Invercargill, which looked like it was going to be for a wee while, didn't it? But uh, I think they'll be reasonably happy that they are um, under the roof. Um, I suppose the upside for not only the Hondas but for the whole competition is nines ones out of ten we usually get a pretty high scoring game under the roof in Dunedin. So I think everyone sitting on the couch at home with a beer watching is going to be pretty excited about that too. So um, I think uh, just looking at this squad too, you know, Brownie's Brownie and his team have, have obviously looked pretty hard at, at um, around the country. Um, and they've got some exciting players in there. And, and I suppose the upside too is they've got some guys who are coming back from injury too. Some of these have been out for a while and, and missed last year. So I'll be really excited, excited to see them. Guys like you know, Jermaine Ainsley and Fakatava, they'll be guys that they're really keen to see get going. So um, 
from a purely from a being selfish from a Highlanders point of view. Um, great that they uh, got a chance to play at home, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see some of these guys go. Yeah, I am too, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, just seeing how they match up in the engine room. Uh, I think that's really important. You mentioned Ainsley being back there. They've got uh, De Groot, of course, who's uh, looks to be a real uh, promise for the future sort of player. Him, uh, Leonard Brown, with a lot of experience in the front row. Josh Honnick, uh, Aiden Johnson. Then you go to the hookers. Uh, where they've got uh, they've been bolstered. They've lost Ash Dixon, of course. Coltman, Macaleo, and Marshall. Uh, but the name missing from the locks, uh, the concerning one for me, is Putty Putty Parkinson, a giant in the making. Yeah. So what do you make of that engine room, Brendan? Great. Especially up front, Smithy, like those names you called out of all um, outstanding players. The, the bit that excites me is you've got guys like Coltman, Honick, you know, uh, Michelo is another one. They've been around a while. Um, they've got a few games under their belt. Um, you chuck Bryn Evans in there as well. Um, a lot of experience, and then you add likes of um, Josh Dixon, who's been a- around a while too. Selby Rickett, another one who's you know starting to starting to be- become a-, a-, a real leader in their team. Um, I think it's really exciting, and, and doesn't matter what game you play, you've got to have your leaders, and, and you've got to have guys with experience leading from the front, and and, uh, and and in rugby in particular, if the type five don't perform well, it's it's you struggle to get your game going. So, um, I think from a Highlanders point of view, it's it's really exciting that these guys um, are in the team, and um, and they'll certainly uh, you know they'll they'll get plenty of ball, and we know they're going to work hard. That's something that the Highlanders have, have done under under Tony Brown's um, tutelage for a while is, is they work pretty hard up front and um, and they don't give in for 80 minutes, So even if it takes longer. So that that's really exciting for me. I think that's, um, that's going to be great. And if I was the backs, I'd certainly be uh, pretty excited for um, what's up front because I'll get plenty of ball, I think. And Lucy's uh, will include... Uh, Gareth Evans, who's back there, and man, has, I can promise you, he is hungry for some game time. Uh, I think a really, really big start to the season is important for Shannon Frizzell for what comes up in the future. Billy Harmon is back after in, a little bit of injury problem. Uh, Michaeli Tu'u, Hicks, Withy, uh, Lynchies, of course, uh, and Hugh Renton. So uh, there is a number of very solid performances in the Lucys. Start Hard to pick a starting three, isn't it, really? Um you know, you've got Lynchies in particular, who's been sort of captaining the side for for a while and and um, and a, a real leader. Um, had a hell of a hell of a time with his ankle, and he looks to be back after a pretty solid um, MPC, uh, which is great. And he's he's an outstanding footballer. Um, Sean Withy's exciting. I think he'll be he'll be champing at the bit to get some more game time as well. Um, Early too. Well, we we know what he can do with ball in hand. We've seen him go, especially in the black and white of Hawks Bay. He's a he's an outstanding footballer. So, in uh, um, in Gareth Evans, I think that's a great signing for for um, the Hollanders. He's 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 an outstanding footballer. He can play six, eight, or seven. Um, I really like him at eight. Um, I think he's an outstanding eight. Um, but I see that he's played a bit at seven for the first couple of trial games. Um, but you. I, I couldn't agree with you more around Fazell. I think he has to come out of the, out of the gates absolutely firing. And um, I would say with the amount of pre-season that he's had, 
um, they'll be working pretty hard on him to make sure that when he does keep going in these first couple of rounds, because they can't really afford to drop any, that uh, he'll be he'll be key because they they see, they tend to use him a bit wider as well and get the ball in his hands. Um, and he's he, you know he's devastating when he's when he gets running. Um, he's just so strong. Um, so it'll be really you know I think Cazell is is a huge one. Um, Hugh Renton's been. Um, a good a good boy too. He's he's come down to the Hollanders and, and Otago and really made made uh, a real good fist of it. I think he's been a great great asset um, for a guy that no disrespect to them, but but wasn't really on the radar of a lot of teams. So I think he's gone down there and and made every post a winner and and his work rate is uh, top notch. So um, I, I would say around at least forty area, barring any injuries. Um, you know, probably Harlan's back in the mix, like you said. Um, he's been an outstanding, standing player for not only Canterbury but for uh, for the Crusaders, and, and his, he, he played magnificent last year. So um, probably knocking on the door of All Blacks um, selection. So that's exciting for him to be back after a bit of injury too. So yeah, it's, uh, I, it, once again going back to that tight five, if they can get uh, a bit of ball and um, get some go for it. Well, once again, it needs the Lucy's do their, do their work. And if we can see the likes of Brazil and Gareth Evans out there running with ball, um, that's going to be dangerous. If they get a platform, if they do get a platform, if they get parity up front, which means they get front foot ball, uh, I think if I look at the, the trio of halfbacks in uh, Aaron Smith, Fokitava, Fala Fokitava, Kane Hamilton, I, I think that's as good as any, uh, I think, uh, of any combination of three in terms of depth. Uh, of any pro, of any of these franchises. Yeah, totally agree with that. Absolutely, and and the beauty is that all three of them have had plenty of game time, haven't they? Okay, Fakatava is coming back from a bit of injury, but I think I think he's probably um, come back. He'll, he'll be in fantastic shape. Um, we saw how good he was and how good he's been for particularly Hawks Bay, but the way he played for the Hollanders um, also. Um, I, I think. Uh, it, that the, all three of them will be pushing everyone each other pretty hard. Um, you know, we know Aaron Smith, his, his work ethic is, is probably second to none. Um, so that'll make the other two boys work just as hard. But they also seem to work work with each other to, to improve each other. So um, I tell you what, if I was Marty Banks and uh, Mitch Hunt, I'd be pretty happy with who I've got in the, in the nine posse. And, mm. and, um, and, and also the way the Hollanders play, it's a real key area for them, isn't it? You know, like... We see when when Aaron is playing that they base a lot of their game around him, and um, and I don't see any reason why they won't do that with Fakatava as well, and um, and we'll see very similar game plan. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I think that's a great area, and you know, touch wood, no no injuries for them because um, you know it does take a big chunk out of the game if they lose one. Well, you talked about uh, Mitch Hunt and, and Marty Banks, and I think that's. Uh, it's a nice little duo as well, but uh, they don't want any inju- in- too many injuries around that uh, particular area. I want to go to the midfield, uh, uh, which is a, a particularly interesting area for me because, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Umunga Jensen, uh, I think very, very exciting talent. Big young man too. Uh, C.O. Tompkinson's been around for a while. Natunani Punavai, Scott Gregory and Fatili Paya basically is their midfield grouping. What do you make of that? Oh, I think it's exciting. I, I agree with you around um, the midfield. You know, Umanga Jensen um, is a big, he's a big lad, um, but he needs to get on the field and get some game time under his belt. And, and I'm sure 
this preseason's been really good for him. Um, Josh Timu, um, he's he's been around a few years now. Um, you know, he went overseas and played a little bit, came back uh, from Australia, and and um, you know he's been he's just been bordering on that uh, on that starting sort of. Um, team, so I'm excited to see him get some runs in at 13, and by all accounts, the, the two of them together have played well in their pre-season games um, oh, I, obviously Scott Gregory is also another option for Brownie he sort of mentioned that a few times and, and the way that he played in particular last year in the 12 years, he's considering as a winger um, or, or regarded as a winger for work I thought he did an outstanding job. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that you can put in there and he's dangerous with the ball in hand, but he's got big defence. And I think uh, just chatting to Brownie, you can tell the way he, he really enjoys the fact that he can put him in any positive and any performance for them. So I think that's another guy there that, that possibly might float into that midfield position and, and add a bit too. So, um, and, and once again, that, that midfield is, is, you know, there's a lot of traffic running down there. Um, so, uh, you know, they're going to have to be pretty good defensively as well. And, and mm. there's something that Tomkinson's pretty good at too, isn't he? Um, okay, there's the odd one that slips up a bit high, but... If he slows the sights a bit, he's a, he's a big defender, so um, they're going to have to work pretty hard in that area. And I think they're all solid defenders, so exciting for the for the Hollanders that particular uh, that part in particular. Let's round it off with the back three, then, uh, Brendan. We're looking at uh, Masisi Dawai, uh, Villamani Korai. Uh, we've got Josh Timu, Sam Gilbert, Connor Garden Bashup uh, is in there. Uh, he's a very very exciting prospect, and uh, Solomon Alamalo back uh, after some uh, health issues. Yeah, great, isn't it? Um, I think the, the back three in particular is an area where I don't think he's probably settled um, too much at the moment on on his actual back three. There's a lot of names in there that uh, have played some pretty exciting rugby and, and have got a lot of promise. So once again, keep going back to that, that front five, giving good ball. If they can get some good ball, um, the midfield do their job and get some... Gets, uh, hold their defence and get some space out wide. These guys can be really dangerous. Um, Tim Gilbert's another kid that's, that's come on really well. We had a good NPC. Um, pretty sound at fullback. Big lad too. Um, I know he can do a bit of goal kicking as well. Um, Daiwa is another guy that, for me, I think that'll be really exciting if he gets some room. Um, we've seen him go pretty pretty well. Um Karoy's a bit of a drifter for me. He, he drifted a wee bit in Super Rugby and uh, NPC. He's such an outstanding talent with the ball in hand, isn't he, Smithy? He's just, just mm-hmm. outstanding to watch, but he, he just had a couple of games where he sort of drifted in and out. Well, at Super Rugby level, you can't afford really to do that. It's, you get punished pretty quickly. So I'm hoping for Philomone, he's, he's an outstanding footballer. I just hope he, uh, hope he sort of cements a place, whether it's fullback or wing, and and um, and he and he really performs because when he does, he can rip things to pieces. So um, I think that whole sort of back three year, they'll be uh, they'll shift around a touch. I think they won't they won't have sort of settled on who actually is going to be in their back three just quite yet. I think those first couple of rounds will be interesting to see what happens there and, and how much ball they get. Yeah, I I listened to you talk glowingly about that whole squad and. Uh, I've actually uh, changed my mind. I think the Highlanders are right in the mix there with that uh, home advantage early on in the piece as well. Uh, mate, before I let you, let you go, I'd love you to just touch on the Six Nations for us. Uh, last yeah. time Scotland beat the, the Welsh in Wales, in Wales, 
fellow by the name of Brendan Laney kicked two late penalties under pressure. That was 2002. And they came up short again at the weekend, just. Oh, no. It was gutting. I lost the game. And, and to be fair, I think the last, when I did that in 2002, um, Steve Hansen was coaching, so he didn't like me too much after that game. But, um, yeah, see, uh, it was tough to watch. Um, it was a cracking game of rugby from a test point of view. It wasn't exactly attractive when you come to a spectacle, but sometimes you don't get that with test matches. And in particular, they, um, uh, they've got a roof on that stadium. I'm not too sure why they didn't close it, but anyway. Um, and, and to be fair, the Welsh, after their first round, their first test um, in the Six Nations, they, weren't, they were written off. Um, Scotland played particularly well against England. Um, I don't know. There's, I've spoken to a few Scottish boys. They're still they're still partying um, after that one. Um, so they were expected to to get up and, and beat Wales. And uh, you got a hand to the Welsh boys. They came out and threw everything at the the Scottish guys. And their attitude on defence was was magnificent because Scotland scored a couple of nice tries, um, but they just had a few opportunities they didn't take. So um, that is a massive win for uh, Wales, and and it, it sort of it sort of opened up competition a little bit, in particular that sort of second second posse. Uh, the French looked very good, though, didn't they? Some of the two words, they looked, uh, they looked yeah, dangerous. They do, they do mate. Dangerous. They look absolutely great. They've, they've got the playmakers sorted out, as Gwenny, uh, I think, as, as, as good as anyone at this far out um, of the World Cup. Uh, the playmaking combination is as good as any in the world, probably the best, I would think. Totally agree. And, and you can see that... The way they're playing, that, that, that really is, uh, they are the driving force behind their game, aren't they? And, and we've probably always seen uh, uh, the French side as a, as a team that plays with fear and off the cuff, but you can see they're playing quite differently at the moment. And they've got guys in key positions, particularly at 9 and 10, that are, are really driving the game well, but they're also keen to attack the line, um, which is just awesome to watch. Um, but they've got a big forward pack, the French. And, uh, you know, that was a big win against Ireland, massive win against Ireland, because that Irish side's pretty handy as well, and they play with so much passion, and, and they've got a good record in the Six Nations. So, um, you know, to play the French in, in any stage, um, but also at home, is, is very hard to do. So um, they'll be tough to beat for the rest of the competition. But, look, it does it, it's an exciting competition. It really is. Smithy, I've been lucky enough to be involved. The, the passion... The crowds, the the pre-game, the after after the game, the, the, it's just an amazing tournament to be involved in. Of, of it's very hard to explain the passion that's involved, and and um, Six Nations is a, is a very special competition, and and uh, it, I, I, these guys, it, it, they certainly. Um, you talk to anybody who's been involved in a test match with them have played in, in uh, Six Nations, they are very different. And the, and, and the passion involved in it is just huge. So um, very exciting to watch. Great to talk to you, uh, Brennan, and uh, hear your passion is still there for Six Nations, but uh, your belief too in the, the Highlander squad. Great to get that insight. Hey, go well, mate, and hopefully we'll catch up with you during the season at some point, eh? Yeah, you're a champ, Smithy. I really look forward to that. Top man. Thanks heaps. Cheers. Cheers, Brendan. Thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Brendan Laney there, the chainsaw, a bit of a cult figure around New Zealand, but of course uh, very popular too uh, in Scotland uh, for his deeds, uh, the national side. Uh, and I couldn't ask him this question. Uh, would uh, love some of what Buff is smoking.
I think they have a decent one, three, four, seven, eight, and nine. Their 10s are okay, their midfield is rubbish, and the back three don't know. Okay, fair enough. That was just a, a knee-jerk one that's just come in, but that's cool. That's cool. We'll read them all out very shortly. It's 11.21. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Uh, Davis come in and says, Smithy, as much as I hate betting against New Zealand, you bet uh, with your head, not your heart. So South Africa in the cricket and to France uh, for the Rugby World Cup, that multi will get you at the moment. $13.50. Indeed, Dave, a tidy return. Um, another uh, Pete's come in and said, maybe Joe Smith will be contributing for everything but game plan and analysis of the Irish. I, I can't help but think that um, him coming in in, in uh, August is, is way too late um, in an official role, but certainly, I mean, we must be sounding him out about how to beat Ireland, surely. Uh, we must have uh, some input from him there. I mean, he's on the payroll, he's on the payroll, and uh, I would just be nonsensical to think that uh, if he's with us through to the World Cup now, uh, certainly on the payroll because he's with the Blues as we speak, uh, why we wouldn't be using that. And um, yeah, I, I haven't quite got my head around that one, Pete. And I totally agree with you that uh, we need that input. Uh, really, uh, I, and I'm sure missing Test matches hurts KW Kane. Uh, it really does. Uh, Kane's Test record will define his standing in history, not how much money he's made at the circus. Hey, Jerry, absolutely right. Uh, the money he makes at the circus, as you call it, will set him up for a very good life and probably already has. Uh, and as I said uh, often throughout this, uh, no one in this country would deny him the opportunity to do that. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, I, like everyone else too, uh, would like to see him play test cricket in preference to that. Uh, and, I, and as you say, that probably would be the case if his arm was right as well. He would be... Uh, absolutely down there in Christchurch, probably in the nets as we speak, getting ready for those test matches against South Africa. But we also, um, because of the extent of the injury, Jerry, and uh, whilst we haven't heard everything about it, we know it's uh, not one that they can operate on. It's going to have to be nursed. It's going to have to show some priorities uh, in terms of his cricketing 12 months. Um, And that's not uh, for debate either. That's just simply going to happen. Uh, SM has come in and said reports of Russian tanks surrounding the IOC headquarters demanding their continued participation at the Winter Olympics are fake news with a question mark. I would imagine so. I would imagine so. The Russian tanks, uh, according to our war correspondent Brian uh, Brian Rarity, our war correspondent over there, says they're much more um, and trained on uh, the borders around the Ukraine, according to uh, our, yeah, our General Patton, so to speak. Uh, so there we go on that one. Um, guys, here's from Dean. Have you ever thought uh, that Foster has uh, been told he's gone? Smith has control. Joe Smith has control, and Foster is there for the media. Media, he's the invisible man. Just the thought of sacked. Who would hire Foster? Uh, I don't think you're a very big supporter of uh, uh, Ian Foster, Dean. Coach of the year nomination was to sack, and that doing a good job. The rest of the world have, have passed us. If players are not performing, a good coach makes the tough calls. Foster, yeah, Foster is not really on your Christmas card list, I think it's fair to say, Dean. Uh, how about this? Uh, win one on 5000 bucks. register for the Reese Super Rugby Fan of the Year. By doing uh, that, go to SENZ forward stroke Fan of the Year. Register by February the 17th. Uh, not long to go now, folks, to secure your spot. Each round entrance need only pick one Super Rugby team they believe will win from the six games being played in that round, lose and you're out of the competition when you stay in. Simple as that. $5,000 up for grabs. It's so easy. It's so damned easy. 
thanks to our mates at Reese. John, can you uh, put me in, please? Can you at least tell yeah, me? Yeah, mate, absolutely. It's going to be tough first round because I was going to pick Blues first round because they were going to beat Moana Pacifica, and I thought that would be a great way to get underway. But now I don't know which team to pick, Smithy, especially out of the New Zealand games, Chiefs, Highlanders and Crusaders, Hurricanes. I don't think there's a, a lay-down Mazir like, definitely that team's going to win, so we might have to look over into what's happening in the Aussie conference with maybe Waratahs against Fijian Drua or the Reds against the Melbourne Rebels or the Brumbies against the Force. So, yeah, it's, it's actually a bit trickier in week one than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I totally agree. But you didn't answer my question. Have you entered me yet? No, I want to win. And you beat me in the NPC tipping comp. That cost me a ham last year. I don't want you costing me $5,000. Well, I win the 5000 bucks. You'll get more than the ham, buddy. I'll promise you that. Uh, here's the, listen, uh, I got an email yesterday sent through the system to say, uh, producers, make sure your hosts are entered. And I'm not entered. Oh, okay. Sake. All right. I've been told. Smarten up, smarten up your act. Uh, here's the other thing. Uh, you can't win. You cannot win $5,000 in the next five minutes. But what you can do... Uh, you can win 150 bucks with the TAB vouchers. It is so easy to do. I um, mean, the fact that three of you this week haven't been able to do it absolutely confounds my uh, confounds me really. To be honest, I, I think uh, I'm, I think you're losing it, you people out there. Uh, prove me wrong. Double eight uh, double three is a text number. That's no good to you though. Uh, the phone number is even better. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. The lines are lighting up already. Uh, I don't care who you are. I don't back you today. I don't back you. I think it's going to 200. Here's the news. Cheer. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yep, he threw down the gauntlet. We reckons he'll beat anyone today. Anyone who lines up. Because it is a triple, triple jackpot today from the TAB. Thank you so much for that $150 in vouchers. And as always, there are some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive up for grabs as well. And on line number one, he was quick. And that is Anton from Auckland. Nice alliteration, mate. How are you? Uh, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Nice. I'm gonna be a bit... Have you played Stump by Smithy before? Never. 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 So first time in, and there's 150 bucks up for grabs. So a lot of pressure, mate, and Smithy's already laid it on. So today, your categories will be Super Bowl, basketball, or combat sports. Are they a strong suit of yours, Anton? Any of those? Yeah, them, to be honest, um, but I'd probably go combat sports because I feel yeah. okay because you're in a fighting mood after Smithy said that you've got no chance today. Mm. All right, let's go. It's going to do a big Bruce Buffer introduction, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, there's only one guy who can do that, and that's Bruce Buffer. Anyway, question number one, Anton. Israel Adesanya defended his middleweight title against Robert Whittaker in Houston on Sunday. How many times has he defended the belt now? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. One, two, three. That was his... Oh. Come on, Anton. It's got to be his... I'm trying to think of the guys that he's beaten. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to go with his third defence. One of the worst things I have oh, ever seen done on a cricket field. That was not his third defence at the weekend. What was it, Smithy? It's his seventh, isn't it? 
one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, it was his fourth, fourth yeah. title defence. He's beaten Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa, Marvin Vittori and Robert Whittaker. So four title defences. You were on the mat, Anton. Smithy had your pin, but you've squirmed your way out, mate, so you haven't submitted yet. Question number two. Name the other two Kiwis who were also on the UFC 271 card at the weekend. Uh, Carlos Olberg and Blood Diamond. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Should have been like Blood Diamond, uh, Smithy, Anton. He should have been, you should have been beaten in round one. I've got a feeling like this. I've got a feeling about this. Anton's, Anton's uh, pretty sharp at this game. Yeah, he is. But I'm going to step out of the cage now and go to the oh, ring no. in Japan, actually. Sumo wrestling is an acquired taste when it comes to combat sport. What do sumo wrestlers throw into the air before they step into the ring, Anton? Throw into the air? Yep. Jeez, uh, I imagine it's the same as what uh, weightlifters do. Is it, I'm going to go with chalk? One of the worst things oh. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not correct, Smithy. Another chance for a stumping and a quadruple oh. jackpot tomorrow. I've seen this, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I have seen this, John, uh, and I thought, what the hell are they doing? Um, uh, and I'm, I've got to be thinking to, to this, uh, and I, I don't know why. It's an old, um, it's an old tradition in, in life where you, uh, you drop something and you throw it over your shoulder for good luck, right? Yep. Um, and I'm thinking, it, I'm thinking it's salt. There you go. I think it's salt. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, the purifying powers of salt they like to throw um, into the air, sumo wrestlers, before they step into the ring, which means, Anton, your luck, your luck has run out. You have been stumped, but you're in good company because so is everyone else this week. Oh, Anton. I'm, Anton, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I thank, you, thank you very much, mate. Um, Whatever you have, uh, when, when you have your fish and chips next, make, make sure you put a bit of salt on them, brother. And that, that'll, uh, not, uh, <laughs> it might not take, might not make them taste better, but uh, it uh, will remind you of what those sumo guys are doing <laughs> over there in Japan. Thanks for your, thanks, thanks for your entry, mate, uh, and uh, thanks for you, Charles, for waiting in line. Uh, have a crack tomorrow, everybody, up for two hundred deleros, a two hundred deleros tomorrow. And that is starting to get real serious, isn't it? No sleep drops have not gone either. Uh, thank you. A lot of fun. 11.38 here on SENZ. Uh, plenty more texts to talk about. And an exciting opportunity for you if you're looking at rural real estate. More after the break. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's time for this week's Bailey's Rural Property of the Week. From farms to vineyards to lifestyle blocks, if you're ready for a change in 2022, keep an eye on the Bailey's Country listings at baileys.co.nz forward stroke country. Now, today's property is for Pukekoa Kiwi Fruit Perfection, listed at 1293 Churchill Road, Pukekoa. Superbly positioned it is in a sought-after location, a wonderful opportunity Beckons for those seeking a substantial kiwi fruit property in two titles. An outstanding opportunity to own this lucrative 40 plus hectare property complete with stunning home and substantial support infrastructure. The property includes kiwi fruit orchards, 
a five-bay high-stud shed for storage and loadout, a second five-bay shed with two bays lockable, uh, three-bay shedding with staff room and accommodation, two good groundwater consents, architecturally designed home as detailed with vertical cedar, high ceilings, and a family-friendly floor plan. Sounds magnificent, doesn't it? Uh, the Orchard is currently owner-managed, and there are contractors in place that are happy to continue for the new owners if they wish. Now, this is a special property that offers a diverse and desirable lifestyle and an orchard that will experience a significant increase in production this season. It is to be sold. It goes under the hammer uh, on the 3rd of March. So for more details on that, head to baileys.co.nz. Uh, Bailey's New Zealand's number one rural real estate brand. Sounds great. Pack up the truck, Louise. We're heading north. All right, let's uh, look at uh, what is coming on the text as well. Jeff the ref has said, I was lucky to be involved with three pre-season super games in Queenstown as a referee official. Uh, my take on Smith was he was talking to all the super coaches and some players. Uh, so uh, that's interesting, and you, you wouldn't expect anything else. Apart from everything else, Joe Smith is one of the most affable guys uh, you're likely to meet. Terrific man. Um, also, Stephen's come in. And how about this? Here's a strong New Zealand team, all New Zealand first-class players born in South Africa. Uh, Colin Munro, Phillips, Conway, Elliot, the Grandholm, O'Donnell, Watling, Van Fake, Rippon, Muller, Wagner. All of those uh, guys have played uh, in the last decade or even later than that, first-class cricket within New Zealand. That is a hell of a side. Uh, they had a bit of steel about it. So, <laughs> yes, John, that's interesting. Uh, the IOC headquarters is in Switzerland, so Russian tanks are in Switzerland. I don't think so. Some people will fall for anything. Uh, that's Simon coming in. I think probably uh, he was talking about the Beijing office of the IOC, but you might be right, Simon. You may well be right, my friend. Uh, John, yeah, w- w- what do you make of all that? Yeah, I'm just wondering about um, your kind of uh, topic for the day about the clean piece of paper for Ian Foster. And just the, for me, big question marks around the props. Um, like it used to be such a strong, uh, you know, a part of our game going back to Woodcock and Franks in 2011. But from then, ever since uh, Franks got dropped in 20, was it 2019, wasn't it? Uh, when he got told that he wasn't a ball player. I just uh, didn't understand that. I don't understand what Hanson and, and Foster want out of their props. Surely we just want strong at the set piece, strong scrummages. And I just think these new messages that guys like Moody and Laulada are getting that they need to be ball players and they need to get around the park is probably um, hampering their game rather than just sticking to their strengths, getting the best of our props, uh, telling them to do one job, they do it well, like Six Nations teams seem to do. Smithy, France, for example, humongous props, 130 kgs. They don't ask them to be ball players or anything or get around the field. They just ask them to scrummage well, uh, which they do, which leads the platform for everyone else to do well. So biggest question marks for me are around props, around blindside flanker, and around the 12 jersey. So I've got about four big, big question marks written on my piece of paper. Uh, I suspect you have more than four in your starting 15. Yeah, look, I'm approaching this season with, quite an open mind about the whole deal. I, you know, I, I kind of think uh, it's, it's young enough, it's far enough, far enough uh, beforehand uh, to say, far enough away to say uh, there's time to develop players and positions. You know, uh, I think there's that. But you've got to start now. You've got to start straight away. There's no point uh, picking them next year uh, for the World Cup. So I think that's way too late. So I think 
there's that and there's also an opportunity uh, I think for those people that people are saying ah, will he still be okay in 18 months time will he, will he still have the legs will he still have the gas tank uh, to match it physically etc uh, during World Cup in France in 2023 starting in September so th- there's that group of players as well I'm particularly heartened to see a lot of players in that category wanting to play early it would be very easy for them to say yeah I'm going to have to make my run at the 2023, um, but I've got to have to be very reserved about how I go about it. Uh, I, I just I, Maybe if I start a bit later and uh, work my way into it, I can peak twice, peak this season to make, to make sure I'm still in the squad, peak next year for the World Cup, as opposed to playing very early. So I'm very pleased to see the likes of uh, Whitelock and, and uh, Moody and all those guys are, are prepared to get stuck in uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, they are the, the kind of uh, areas I'm focusing on. Uh, Jerry uh, has just come in, and uh, Ian has as well, not me. Uh, Colin de Gronholm, of course, born in Zimbabwe. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a given. Yep, uh, no problem on that. So he wouldn't make that side, but I'm pretty sure floating around someone will. Uh, so, yeah, John, they, they are my, my concerns uh, about that. And my piece of paper, not that anyone gives a monkey's toss about it, is, is pretty blank for that reason. Yeah, fair enough. But can those older athletes have a huge season this year? We see we lost our last two tests at the end of last year. Like They do get burnt out after playing a huge season of Super and up to a dozen All Blacks tests. So they have a huge year this year. Then they need to peak again for another World Cup. Is that asking too much for Dane Coles, Cody Taylor, um, you know Sam Whitelock, these older athletes, to peak that many times at this stage of their career, or should we just be keeping their powder dry and making sure they're okay for next year? Yeah, look, I I, I totally agree with that, and there's a big group of them. That's the worry. Yeah, there's quite a yep. big group of them. That's the concerning thing about that. Uh, here's uh, someone coming in for you, John. Uh, no way, John Day. Guys like Furlong and Tony are massive men and great around the park. They do have that skill set uh, up north, Giorda. Yeah, Tyg Furlong is next level. He's the best tight head prop on the planet. And I concede, I concede the Irish have got the total games when it comes to their props, um, but they, they start with their basics. I, I just don't think that's the All Blacks way, Smithy, for me. Um, one and three in the back line, you know, uh, shoveling the ball on. I it's just not for me. Uh, Trent has come in and said, clean sheet, start with Foster's coaching group problem with professional rugby is most of the players are picked before the season starts and there are only a handful of opportunities for guys to earn the AB jersey and I think Trent that sums up the topic of the morning Uh, you know uh, when you enter a a year of rugby uh, the all black head coach and his uh, sidekicks basically have a piece of paper with a lot of names on it uh, and they just want those names to be fit and healthy for when they are available to play I think that's a given here we're looking into a situation uh, where it hasn't gone all that well for quite a long period of last year. Um, you know, even the ones we won, we weren't overly thrilled about, were we, to be honest? Uh, and then we lost those two at the end, and we all said at the end of it, uh, alas, uh, you know, what, what have we got to do about this uh, particular scenario? How much trouble are we in? And that's why I think the, the piece of paper might be a little bit cleaner. Could be wrong. Uh, 11.52 here on SENZ, staff before midday.